that they have forgotten mm-hmm. over these years. So did you know Mike Zach? Uh, yeah. And did you, how long has this program been going on? Do you know why he started it or what was the kind of the origin of it? And approximately when did it start? It started about 10 years ago and Mike saw this need in the church. So started working on researching and finding out what do people miss? What do they need to do to help them to get incorporated back into the church? So He's the one who mm-hmm. who researched it and put it together. Yeah, you may be familiar with a, a program nationwide, maybe worldwide, called Catholics Come Home. We often run spots yes. for that, and it's beautiful spots because it really does highlight the beauty of the Catholic Church. You know, and I'm I'm curious to to know why, in your experience, most people do leave. But we'll we'll get to that. But uh, first, why why did you get involved from a personal standpoint? Uh, obviously, you're very busy. You've got a husband, you got kids, and uh, you know probably. Be a demanding job, and then you're doing this also. So why, why, why? What was the the, the um, motivation for you? For me, it was I had gone through a period of my life where there was a lot of difficulties, and I actually blamed God for it, and later learned that God didn't do this to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I felt it at that time. But I never felt God far from me. And started coming back to the church, just started attending on a weekly basis. And then my children started getting into um, the faith formation program. And I started realizing I need to be teaching my children. Mm-hmm. So it just kind of started snowballing. And I felt this calling um, to call Mike up and to ask him, can I help? Mm-hmm. And so I started helping with the program. Yeah, that's such a great point that you made because I, I recently was in a conversation with a very good friend of mine who got frustrated about all the stuff going on in the church. And he said, I'm out of here and I'm, I'm not going to practice my faith. And I made the comment to him. I said, yeah, that's your decision, but it's also going to impact your wife. It's going to impact your kids. You've got young children. This be, may be generational. You know, you might your decision to leave the church could result in, I mean, hundreds of people no longer mm-hmm. being Catholic. So it's a big decision uh, both to leave and also to come back, isn't it? Yes, it is. It's a big deal for them to finally say, I miss the church mm-hmm. and I want to be back. Yeah. So uh, Bruce Bauman currently is the uh, the head of it. And uh, his, I know he's got a son who's a, a seminarian. And <laughs> so I, I see the, the, the list of presenters. This is something that is not one or two people. This has got a big team working on this, isn't it? Yes, it's really it's really nice because Bruce had said, let's ask the deacons if they want to teach the class. And so we opened it up to them, and they chose their area of interest, expertise. And so they teach the classes, and so does also our pastor Bruce Bradley. Mm-hmm. Is the uh, are, are the classes for only for people who have left, or is it for loved ones of people who are la- have left, or you know spouses who, who actually can come to these meetings, or all the above? All the above. Anybody okay. who wants to come, I have some people that have started back at the church. And they're still a little confused about the prayers or why we do things such as adoration. 
And so they come to the class to learn and mm-hmm. learn about the Catholic faith deeper. Yeah. Uh, from your experience, you know, you've, you've expressed mm-hmm. your own, you know, testimony and you, you know, you're disappointed with God and things weren't going well in your life. I imagine that's, that's pretty common. Uh, what, what are some other reasons or do people, when they come, like to share their own testimony? Is that part of it? And why they've left the church or why they're having doubts? Or what, what, what do people say? Well, we do. Our very first session, we talk about that. Um, the group members who help me, um, they also talk about their own stories. And then we ask them if they're comfortable enough to say why they left. Mm-hmm. And some of them left because of maybe they just got bored and left. Others have left because they got angry at the church. That um, could be with some of the, with the incidences with the priests. I've had some of those, or something that maybe a priest or a nun had said to them when they were young. Yeah, and got hurt, and that that, that, that is so wild because uh, my my own brother. I mean, he, he, who uh, left the church and has come back, but uh, he used to talk about you know Sister Joan Patricia, and uh, she is up in Detroit. So she and God rest her soul, she's gone now. But that that one teacher who did something, and you know, so you've got this vastness of the Catholic Church, and one person maybe even one. making a little mistake, maybe it wasn't even anything intentional, and that can you know it's it's that fragile sometimes, isn't it? Yes, it is. And so they would, some people, a lot of people, have tried other churches, mm-hmm. um, gone to Baptist or Methodist or no church at all. And then they talk about, I was missing communion, the yeah. Eucharist, and decided I needed to be back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, you've got a program beginning up in April, uh, first session, April 11th. Uh, we're recording this as of uh, late January, but people can jump in now. It's it's not like you have to start at the beginning or what would you recommend? Can some, If somebody's listening to this right now, can they get started right away or should they wait till April or what? No, they can get started and they can, the classes that they're missing, they can Make them up later on. I have several people who couldn't come to all eight sessions, and so they are coming this session to hear the ones that they missed. And these are always Tuesday evenings. Uh, looks like about uh, a little over two hours uh, from mm-hmm. six forty-five to nine o'clock. And every single session, uh, the eight sessions, is a different speaker. You've got lay people, you've got women, men, you've got deacons, uh, Father Bradley. So a very, very diverse, you know, kind of, uh, it's, it's a, every, every session's a little bit different. But what, yes. what exactly is the methodology? How does one lesson kind of build into the next? Or what, what is the approach? Well, we start out at the very beginning doing prayers. What are Catholic prayers? What's adoration? How do we do the rosary? That Mm -hmm. one is often very much dropped. And these are sessions where people can ask us questions. They ask us everything under the sun and about those topics. Sometimes we just answer them right then and there. It might be about the Eucharist, but we're going to talk about it. They have a question now. So they ask everything that they've always wanted to know about our, our topics. Mm-hmm. Um, we just did a walk through the Bible because for some people growing up, the Bible was not opened up and yeah. 
and used, and now we have Bible studies everywhere, and they are not sure how to use the Bible. So mm-hmm. we talk about the Bible, how it's broken down, and then they can ask questions about that. Yeah, and uh, I, I see that uh, you, the walk through the Bible and the catechism is uh, the third one, uh, sacraments, reconciliation, Eucharist, a walk through the Mass, uh, tour of the church. Uh, so you really get a very broad scope of, of information about the Catholic Church. There's also uh, scripture reflections. Uh, tell us about those and how are those chosen? We do scripture reflections that mirror what we were talking about and show that in the Bible, this is, it talks about um, the prayers. It talks about, we talk about where the Nicene Creed comes from mm-hmm. and that it's from the Bible. Yeah. So that they can see these things and show the the parallels. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. The the people that come to this obviously are not so adamantly opposed to the Catholic Church Mm-mm. that they won't come to something like this. There's some people that you'll never, they're, they're so far gone, unfortunately, that only through the grace of God would they ever come to something like this. But these people at least are, are interested enough to come and inquire, right? Yes. So they're, they're in a good place. They're in a good place. And some are still hesitant, not sure and it's like, well, you know, we're not going to commit you <laughs> to become Catholic yeah. if you if you don't want to. But they all do seem to come back and want to know, how do I get involved in the church? Yeah. Okay, I've gotten to know everybody here. One of the wonderful things is they get to know the deacons. They get to know Father Bradley. They may never have talked to them because they were serving Mass Mm -hmm. and didn't really have the opportunity except maybe shake their hands after Mass. Here, they get to know who they are. Yeah. And the deacons and Father Bradley get to know them. And we start bringing them back. Um, One of the things I'm doing is we ask them, do you want to come to my Bible study class with me? And they can, they can join. Let's hook you up with the women's group. Let's hook you up with the men's group. So you're not just dropped mm-hmm. after the sessions. So we want you incorporate you back into the church. Yeah. So is there, uh, I'm sure there are these light bulb moments or it's, it must be very gratifying to see when you can kind of tell the other person's coming around, huh? Uh, what, do you, do you see a lot of success with the program? Uh, anecdotally, uh, you know, do you, do you see a big difference between the the day the person walks in the, for the first session and after that eighth? Are are most people by the end convinced that yeah I, I'm I'm convinced that I do need to come back to the Catholic Church? Or what what, what is the success rate? Well, that I know of, everyone that we've had come through the program has been going to mass and becoming involved. I see them involved at mm-hmm. the church. So yeah, yeah, and you don't have to be at Saint Elizabeth. We yeah. just, Do you have people, a lot of people from outside the parish that are coming? Or? We've had several. Okay. We've had, you know, Our Lady of Angels have come um, from St. Mark's that they've been at. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah, and I, I guess just to clarify, this is not like RCIA, uh, which is a totally different program for right. people who have never been Catholic in the first place. So if somebody comes and says, I'm a Protestant, but uh, I'm, I'm curious about the Catholic Church, this isn't their program, right? I mean, you, you have to have become, you, you had been Catholic and then fallen away, right? This is not for 
strict converts. That's that's exactly true. Okay, okay. but there's a place for them, but right. it's, it's not this program, right? It's not this program. But if somebody wants to know, like a condensed understanding of the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. they can come yeah. and say, all right, um, I had a woman who said my fiancé is Catholic and goes to Mass every week. I just want to understand it a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And so she's coming. Yeah, yeah. And that's uh, probably one of the things is uh, a spouse may say, I, I want my husband to come, but it's not until the husband wants to come. or <laughs> But they can come together, right? I yes. can't imagine a better date night than taking your spouse who's fallen away from the church to, to a, a meeting like this, maybe get a bite to eat beforehand. Uh, so th- this is this is so awesome. Is the program unique to St. Elizabeth? Is it part of a broader nationwide program being used elsewhere? Or is this just uh, a St. Elizabeth thing. Well, originally, um, when Mike was researching things, he was at St. Joseph and Richardson, that that they had a similar program. Mm -hmm. But I don't know of other programs that are going on that are like this. And this is called Catholic Once and Again. My guest is Teresa Kuhn, uh, who is a longtime uh, parishioner at St. Elizabeth and Seton Parish in Plano. And she and her husband uh, have two children. She's also a marriage and family counselor. I'm guessing that the fact that you are a marriage and family counselor helps you in, in doing this because you get, kind of understand the human person. Uh, is there a kind of a connection between what you do professionally and this? Yes, I think it's it's a part of me. So... Um, being understanding, hearing where the person is at. It's not, we're not judgmental at all. Mm-hmm. Um, because people are sometimes afraid to tell us why they left. Yeah. And no, we're not, we're not judging you. And it is very helpful for me to be able to talk to them and to get to know their story and their hurt and pain. And we will talk about that hurt and pain if they want to. Yeah. And, you know, my, my wife, I've been married almost 20 years. My wife and I have always shared uh, a fa- our, our Catholic faith together. We're very like-minded. And that, that brings so much peace and tranquility. And so being a marriage counselor... You know, when one person is away from the church, or they're not, they're staying home, and the other person's going to mass with the kids, that 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 can cause a lot of tension in the marriage too, can't it? Yes, it can. It yeah. it really can because there's there's differences. They're not meeting together. Mm-hmm. I want to uh, let people know how they can sign up, and uh, I'm presuming there's not a cost, uh, no. or, or this is a, a free program. If people want to sign up, do they need to, to register, or let you know they're coming, or just show up, or what should they do? It would be best if they would just let me know that they're coming, okay. um, so that we will have, they're all each given a notebook. Um, we give them, uh, when they're at the very first, rediscover um, Catholicism, I think that's what it is. That by Matthew Kelly? Matthew yeah, Kelly. Yeah. They get that. We give them a Bible um, to to help them along if they don't have one. And they give we give them a lot of paper every week. Not Nothing huge, but more information. Mm-hmm. Why we pray as Catholics. Yeah. How Catholics use the Bible. Just various topics that go along with each section. And I, I noticed that uh, the last session is a tour of the church, 
And that's an interesting uh, topic because uh, there's a lot going on with the church at St. Elizabeth Ann Seton. Yes. I, know I actually did a full interview with Father Bradley uh, a month or two ago about what's going on over there. And this is somewhat unrelated to Catholic once and again, but there's a lot of great things going on over that parish now, aren't there? Yes, it's very busy. We have a brand new church. And after almost, it'll be two years in the fall, we'll be able to hopefully get in. Yeah, I think so. Father Bradley was saying maybe Advent of... Yes, uh, that's uh, what we're yeah, what, what, yeah, it'd be Advent, okay. And, and yeah, the, the, the parish itself, I remember when uh, Monsignor Petter was the, the mm-hmm. pastor for a long time, and now Father Bradley, I think, you know, for a long time. What, what else is unique and, and special about that parish community? What I love about this community, and a lot of people have also said... It's, it wasn't the building. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the, the building we had was old, not very good looking at all. We called it a library because it looked yeah. like a library, but it's always been the community and the people. They're very warm, very open, very giving. And that's what I have loved about this church that we are a small community within the community. Mm-hmm. And that's why I want to help others learn, yeah, you can have friends here. All yeah. of our friends are there now. Yeah, very nice. So if people want to sign up, Catholic once and again, uh, again, it's happening now, and then there's going to be another series of eight classes that begin weekly uh, beginning April 11th. It's always on Tuesday evenings from 645 to 9, room 110 at St. Elizabeth Anseton Parish in Plano. So what should they do if they're if they're interested in, in signing up? If they're interested in signing up, they need to go to the website at St. Elizabeth Anseton and look for Catholic once and again. And they will have how to email me, how to call me, and and so I can get them and meet them a little bit. I try to meet everybody beforehand. Yeah. So just to let them know they're welcome. Okay. And what's your advice for the person listening right now whose spouse or adult child is the one that needs to be there, but they want them to be there, but, you know, they're, they're <laughs> you know, how, well, how do you approach that person and say, hey, I heard this interview. <laughs> maybe, you know, what, what, what's the approach and what, what would be, bring the most success to maybe, uh, you know, get, get, get that person to come to one Fine. of the meetings? You know, part of it is saying to them, things that hurt you before. Um, I heard um, the bishop talking Bishop Burns talking and one time and he said, don't let any man get between you and God. Mm -hmm. And that really resonated with me because it's saying somebody might have said something or done something, but you know, God is there and he doesn't leave you. Mm -hmm. So come and see what's different and it's not maybe the same of what you thought it was and to heal up mm-hmm. and just just come and listen and see if even any of it connects with you. Yeah, yeah, because uh, you can take the, the, the person out of the church, but not the, the church out of the person. I ran into somebody, it was a lady helping me at Carter Blood Care. Uh, a few months ago, and I, I must have been wearing something Catholic. She asked me a question, and, and she said, I used to be Catholic. And, and, and I said, Oh, really? What happened? Well, she, I married a non-Catholic and we, I haven't been to mass in, you know, 25 years, but 
And then there was just pause, and she said, you know, but I used to go to Mass every day. I used to think I was going to be a nun. And all of a sudden, mm. I, I could just see, you know, the churning and the, and the, and also the remorse, you know, and, and I, uh, and I, I told her about Catholic radio. I said, you know, that's, that's something you, you, you know, you can just listen to Catholic radio. So, but, but there is, there is, I, I think, a, a hole in, in people when they leave the church, whether they realize it or not, because, uh, you know, the, 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 when you're, when you're not practicing your faith actively, that there's something missing, isn't there? There, there definitely is. And even the people who talk about they went to a different Christian church, they keep saying, I miss the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what I would like. Yeah. Start. And of course, we're in the, the time of Eucharistic revival that the USCCB is doing. So there's a lot of focus on the Eucharist. And that's probably a good way to close out the interview is that this is really what it's all about. You know, the community is great and everything having to do with it, but it's about Jesus. It's about being able to receive Jesus in the Eucharist. And uh, that's what the Catholic Church offers. And that's what we need to draw people back to. So th- it's uh, it's wonderful what you're doing. Thank you. Teresa Kuhn is my guest. St. Elizabeth Ann Seton Parish in Plano. Go to their website and look for uh, Catholic Once and Again, a new session beginning April 11th. But if you don't want to wait until then, jump in right now. Sure. And you can. Uh, and then I think you'll, you said you're going to start it back up again in September as well, right? Yes, we do. Okay. Anything else uh, before we close out? Or did we pretty much hit on all the main points? We hit, on, we hit on the main points. One thing that I do love, and you mentioned it, was a walk through the church. Yeah. And that's the one thing I love because everybody gets to see all the vessels, all the robes, the sacristy, everything that you don't get to see. Yeah. And that also helps people to say, oh, okay, this is not so mysterious after all. Yeah. And that's yeah. my favorite part. Oh, awesome. And that's the last class, that's too, the last right? Class. You've got to get, you know, get through the seven classes and get to that. Uh, Teresa, thanks so much. I also want to thank, uh, again, Dan Porter, who, without him getting out to that parish and meeting Teresa and telling, uh, suggesting her as an interview, this would have never happened. So thank you to Dan, one of our great volunteers. Go to the St. Elizabeth Anseton Parish website in Plano and check out Catholic once and again and get in touch, touch with Teresa and get started on your uh, path back to the Catholic Church. So uh, thanks so much, Teresa. Thanks Thank to you. Diane Xavier. And thanks, everybody, for listening to the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network. God bless you. Are you looking for ways to celebrate Valentine's Day? Join St. Francis of Assisi Catholic Church in Frisco for a formal Valentine's Gala in the Great Hall at the Parish on Saturday, February 11th. The gala starts at 6.30 p.m. and includes cocktails, a three-course dinner, entertainment, and dancing with live music performed by the after party. 100% of proceeds will go to St. Francis and help support its ministries. For more information and to purchase tickets, visit stfoafrisco.org. Hi, everybody, and welcome to this edition of the KTH 910 AM Interview of the Week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network in North Texas. Uh, absolutely delighted uh, to share with you over the next 25 minutes information about the Melkite Eparchy in the United States and also the local Melkite community. And I am very, very blessed to have in studio with me the pastor in charge, the administrator of the local Melkite community. His name is Father Mark Malik. If that name sounds familiar, uh, uh, first of all, the Malik name is uh, well-known in the Diocese of Fort Worth in particular, uh, the, the uh, well-known family, uh, but he's also been on the air with us several times talking about this. 
But he has brought in with him here in studio the newly enthroned and ordained bishop as of uh, October of last year of the uh, Melkite Eparchy in the United States, Bishop Francois Beiruti. And so uh, thanks to both of you for coming in. It's a great honor to have you here. So welcome. Thank you for welcoming us here today. So, uh, Bishop uh, Beirudi, let me start with you. Uh, just the, the basic question a lot of people are probably thinking right now is, what's the Melkite eparchy? Who are the Melkites? Where does it come from? I know you're, you originally are from Lebanon, Correct. but living here now. Can you give us kind of a bird's eye view of what exactly is this eparchy? Correct. So, I, I was born in Lebanon. I left when I was four years old. I lived part of my life in Canada. In the last 10 years, I've been in California, uh, the pastor of Holy Cross Belkite Catholic Parish in the Orange County region near uh, near Los Angeles, or as most people know, the area where Disneyland is. That's kind of what it's more <laughs> most famous for. But uh, hopefully, we were doing a little more than just entertaining people at, at Holy Cross. Um, so our uh, Melkite Catholic eparchy stretches across the United across the United States. We have one diocese. The Melkite Catholic Church goes back to the first Christians. The Middle East. So if you read the Acts of the Apostles, chapter 11, it was in Antioch that the followers of Christ were first called Christians. And if you think of those names, those cities, those places where Jesus lived and the apostles lived and where they were called, Bethlehem, Jerusalem, Nazareth, Samaria, Galilee, Judea, though, uh, the communities that were established there after the death and resurrection of Christ, that is the ancient roots of the Melkite Catholic Church. So when Christ gathered his disciples and said, go into the whole world and proclaim the good news, they did exactly that. They went out, but also before going out, they actually established communities throughout the entire Middle East and, uh, and northern, northern Africa and Egypt and, and, and areas around that area. And so the faith that has been handed on from those first times is the, the liturgical heritage and spiritual heritage of the Melkite Catholic Church. So, St. Peter, of course, uh, everybody knows that St. Peter was martyred in, in, in Rome. But what people often overlook is that St. Peter and Paul both were in the Middle Eastern region of, uh, of the world and that they established churches and that the, the earliest formulation of Christianity took place in that part of the world, which is where the Melkite Catholic Church originates. And now because of immigration and just also people looking for, you know, moving to different parts of the world. The Melkite Catholic Church, although traces its historical roots to that area, is now found throughout the whole world. And in those parts of the world that you just mentioned, going all the way back to, you know, the, the key biblical areas, um, is it a prominent, a lot of uh, people in the, that are identify as Melkites? Is yes, it a large yes. percent so have, of the population? So within the Catholic Church, and actually Pope John Paul, St. Pope John Paul II promulgated a code for the Eastern Catholic Churches. At, second, at the Second Vatican Council, um, the, the word right was used, but then eventually uh, that word developed and was, was used less because the word right refers to a ritual, prayer life. And specifically uh, within the theology and the mindset of the Eastern Catholic churches, we are not just a strange ritual where we have like more incense or less incense than others. We are uh, an apostolic church that goes back right to earliest times. And that's why the Code of Canon Law is actually called the Code of Canon Law for the Eastern Catholic churches. And so the concept here is that within the Catholic church, 
there we are in a communion of of churches, one communion with each other, all forming one holy Catholic Church. And that's actually also the irony of the word Catholic. The word Catholic means universal in Latin. Um, in the Greek uh, form, it actually means belonging to the whole, which is a related concept. But in both the Greek and the Latin uh, form of the word, you have to have another part in order to be a whole. Mm-hmm. You can't be a whole onto yourself. You So that's kind of the, the, the concept within the Catholic Church is that we are one holy Catholic and apostolic church, so we're Catholic, universal in the sense of um, being found around the world. But also the apostolic side of it is that we are connected historically right back to the first proclamation of the good news and the gospel. So in addition to that, when we think of worldwide Catholicism or worldwide Christianity, we think of some of the major theological um Doctrines, the major theological positions that were formulated and are and are and are and are believed universally today. For example, the humanity and divinity of Christ. Of course, that was all formulated in the early ecumenical councils that were held in the eastern part of the Roman Empire. And that's another word that we sometimes need to clarify: east-west. So, obviously, we're not talking about east-west uh, um, America or east-west some, somewhere else. We're referring to the Roman Empire at the time of Christ, and the eastern part of the Roman Empire was the eastern part of the Mediterranean, and the western part of the Roman Empire was basically basically Europe and parts of um, northern Africa on the on the western western part. So when we're talking about Eastern Catholic Church, we're not we're no longer speaking um, today of geographically where they are located exclusively. We are we are referring to where the historic roots of that church, just like when we speak of the Roman Catholic Church. Obviously, not all Roman Catholics are in the city of, of Rome, mm-hmm. but all Roman Catholics, around wherever they are around the world, trace their spiritual, historical, liturgical roots to the, the city of Rome. And just like with us, we trace our roots to the city of Antioch, which is, of course, rooted in the early life of the apostles in in that um, uh, Middle Eastern region, but now spread out throughout the whole world. Well, thank thank you for that. Uh, that's a great great background and explanation. Thank you very much for that. Yeah, um, you mentioned fifty parishes in the United States Correct. right now, yes. and it's kind of a diocese that covers the entire United States: um, Boston, Los Angeles, kind of on the bookends. And where 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 are the other ones, or what are some of the main cities where you have some of your your parishes? So we have uh, within the states we have two cathedrals, but we have, we have five regions, and we have a western region which covers um, everything on the west, the west coast, everything along the the Pacific, and then also um, a parish in 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 Phoenix, Arizona. So that's kind of our western region. But then we have a Great Lakes region. Uh, New England region, Mid-Atlantic region, and of course the southern region, which we are in today. And one of the things we're trying to do is we don't necessarily need a diocese in every single one of those regions right now because of our numbers, but we have region, regional, what we call proto-presbyters who, who form, uh, who, who, who organize the, the priests and the communities in that region. And of course I try to visit as much as possible to, to reach out to those communities. And what is particularly unique being here in Texas is that our fastest growing region is, is here in Texas with, mm-hmm. with Father Mark starting a new outreach two years ago here in the, in the Fort Worth Dallas region, um, and reaching out to first 
Melkite Catholics who are, you know, canonically Melkite, those who are historically Melkite, those who have had some contact in the past with the Melkite Catholic Church, whether locally or universally, but also realizing that all Catholic churches are never um, limited to themselves. We are open to the world. Just like Christ said, go to all nations and proclaim the good news. So in North America, specifically in, in the United States of America, we have moves, moved predominantly to English in most of our communities. Some communities that have more recent immigrants um, have liturgies and prayers in Arabic, but for the most part, the community here in the Fort Worth, Dallas area is all in English, so that those who want to experience the Melchi Catholic Divine Liturgy, which is part of the Byzantine family of the Catholic Church, and at the same time, uh, remain Catholic. Uh, so when you're going to a Melchi Catholic liturgy, it's not like you have to go to a another Roman Rite liturgy in the morning to to kind of like make sure make sure you get it all in because as right. Catholics and Melkite Catholics sometimes go to other communities uh, but as uh, as a Melkite Catholic church our doors are open for everybody to experience what that means to be fully Catholic and also once again quoting Pope St. John Paul II um, the Catholic church needs to learn how to breathe with its two long two lungs its eastern and its western lungs so we 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 establish these communities uh, for that fulfillment or that fullness of Catholicity, but also to to minister to our faithful um, that are spread out throughout the whole the whole country. And it's not always easy to establish parishes because our numbers are very often small and scattered. Mm-hmm. So just like one parish, a Roman Catholic parish, might be in um, a particular neighborhood. Here we are um, establishing a community in the great metroplex of the Fort Worth, Dallas area, which, as you can imagine, is a little challenging. But we also have great signs of hope because we see people sometimes driving an hour, an hour and a half, and sometimes even more. We have one family that lives in Oklahoma, and they drive once a month to this area to to participate and to be uh, to be present in the divine liturgy. So yeah, well, that's our community across the states in in brief. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that and uh bring Father Mark Malik into the conversation and you know, we there's a Byzantine liturgy here in North Texas. There's a Maronite parish, Our Lady of Lebanon and um, you know, when you're talking about people driving in from Oklahoma, uh, can you tell us a little bit about the local uh, outreach that you are leading here in North Texas and um, just anything that you'd like to our listeners should know about what you're doing right now here locally? Yes, as as uh, Sedin is what we call our bishop in uh, in Arabic and it's a common name. As Sedin mentioned, we've uh, we started November 15, uh, 2020 at the gracious invitation of the Ruthenian priest in Irving, St. Basil's Ruthenian Parish, Catholic Parish in Irving. We began to meet there for Divine Liturgy every Sunday, and we at noon. Uh, shortly thereafter, we found out we could actually start doing the last part of our Sunday morning prayer uh, at 11.45. And uh, we also meet every Friday. We have a, pr- a Friday parish night, which begins at 7 p.m. with Vespers, evening prayer, every Friday, followed by Fellowship, and uh, on the second and fourth Fridays of the month, I we do a catechesis, a faith formation, family formation. And uh, anybody who's interested even in the Byzantine Melkite uh, or Byzantine tradition, anyways, welcome to that, even if you're exploring. And on the uh, first, uh, third, and fifth Fridays of the month, I will uh, hear confessions. And we just have fellowship and people uh, hang out together and visit. They bring, they, it's a potluck. People bring dishes. It's very, very important. Uh, our parish really rests on a three, three leg stool of 
liturgy, a, a, commun- a faith formation, and a communal life. So it's Fridays and Sundays. We're getting ready to go into Great Lent. So actually, it'll change for Great Lent. Uh, we'll be having what's called Great Compline on Tuesday nights, about 50 minutes. We'll be doing liturgy to pre-sanctify gifts on Thursdays. That probably doesn't make a lot of sense to people, but they're welcome to come. Both will be at 7 p.m. at St. Basil's. Um, and we're found on the web page. People can go to uh, dfwmelkitecatholic.org, dfwmelkitecatholic.org. We have our schedule there, our calendar there, because uh, our Lenten schedule will change a little bit. We'll be meeting at Mount Carmel Center for our Sunday liturgies, but we'll continue to meet um, at uh, St. Basil's for the Tuesday and Thursday special Lenten liturgies. All right. Well, thank you for that that update. And uh, again, that's Father Mark Malik, who is the priest in charge and the administrator of the DFW Catholic Outreach of the uh, Melkite uh, uh, parish, I guess we can call it, uh, here in North Texas, meeting at St. Basil's uh, in Irving. Also, as I mentioned before, Bishop Francois Beruti, the newly enthroned and ordained bishop of the Melkite Epochary in the United States. And when I look at uh, what you are tasked with, Bishop, it's a, a little uh, dizzying to think you've got these 50 communities spread out across a vast country like this from, you know, shore to shore. And is this kind of what you're doing here locally is you're just kind of pop, um, visiting correct, each yeah. one? Is that kind of what you're, you're the first few months of your... That's uh, correct, yeah. So um, I've told people often, and I tell you and all our listeners, now I know exactly why everybody prays for bishops every time they gather for the for the Mass or the Divine Liturgy in our case. So I invite all of you to continue praying for your bishops and for me because the task, even if you're, if you're stationary, there are a lot of responsibilities that come your way. And... Um, thinking of not only current needs, but also future projection and uh, future growth. Yeah, so um, in the last uh, basically three months that I've been ordained, I was uh, in the chancery in Boston for about a week and a half, and then I was on the road again. And then before I came here, I was in the chancery for five days. So in total, probably I've been in the chancery for two weeks and doing most <laughs> of my my work in, in offices and hotels and, and airports. So... Um, I, I hope that the schedule will, will, will change a little, but at this point, I think it's very important for me to visit our communities, get to know them, because nothing can replace getting to know people personally, and I think that's very important, because a lot of our churches are growing, and some some of them have questions, and uh, I always try to make an, an effort to um, get to know the lay people, get to know the priests, get to know the communities, get to know the buildings, get to know kind of their concerns and thoughts, because that, that way in the future, when we're, we're in touch with each other, I'll have at least a point of reference of uh, what, uh, what, what the community looks and feels like. Uh, in, in general, the, our, my predecessor, Bishop Nicholas Samra, would, uh, you know, he, was, he was a bishop, the eparchial bishop of, of, of our diocese for 11 years. And also, you know, he was, he was a priest in the diocese and an auxiliary bishop before that. So he knew the diocese very, very well. I'm, I'm, I was the pa- pa- parish priest. Uh, and pastor, so I didn't really know all the ins and outs of organization. So there's an element of, of learning. There's an element of pastoral outreach. There's an element of listening as well, listening to where our communities are. And then also trying to bring our, our parishes together in a spirit of unity. And that's why we are having our clergy conference next week in San Antonio. So, um, I'm sure that the schedule, like your question is, it will, will change a bit, but it's not going to be uh, an easy schedule where I'm, where I'm staying in the chancery 
um, all year all year round and just occasional visits here and there. Mm. Uh, visits are are going to be an important part of my pastoral ministry to continue to reach out. And also, very often what I do when I go to a parish, we try to organize some sort of uh, a talk, a lecture, um, a, a meetings with different groups. So tomorrow morning here, we're meeting with the parish leaders. When I was in San Antonio, I was I stayed at, at Assumption Seminary, and I gave a talk to the seminarians. I had a chance to meet the rector and sit down and have questions answered with the seminarians. And then I also had a, a, a TV interview with the uh, San Antonio Catholic Radio, Catholic TV, sorry, <laughs> uh, San Antonio Catholic TV. Can't, uh, and then I uh, also had a public lecture on the biblical roots of the Eucharist at our parish. And there was also very special because the Archbishop, Archbishop Gustavo, gave us, um, leased us a church for 15 years for a dollar a year, which was always a ble- also a blessing. So it's an opportunity to get to know the community and also get to know the local Roman Catholic hierarchs in the, in the area wherever I go. So for all those reasons, um, it's going to be a, a, a traveling life, but at the same time, it'll be a pastoral life of reaching out to communities and getting to know them and bringing them um, a sense of unity with our other parishes which are spread across the United States. Yeah, and the the you're not married, right? I'm not married. Okay. I'm a bishop. So in the Melchi Catholic Church, uh, a man who is married can be ordained a deacon or or priest. Okay, and then uh, the bishops are chosen from the celibate clergy. It's a good thing because I don't think any wife would put know, up with your schedule. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you kind of complicated. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think and, that's one of the yeah. blessings of the celibacy Correct. is that you can Absolutely. travel and you're not, yeah. you know, I don't have a wife at home yeah. saying, when are you going to get home? Yeah. You know, you're, you're doing the Lord's work. <laughs> so we're blessed also with, with several. I don't have the, the full number right now because, uh, you know, the, the, some are, some are in active ministry, some are retired, but we have a good number, at least 10 to 15 married priests. Um, who are in some cases some, sometimes even serving the parishes with their wives. And uh, so it's been a blessing for us to have priests uh, serving in that way as well. You are an educator. I, I, you teach courses yes. and um, on uh, in the Christianity in the Middle East and hermeneutics and exegesis and Christian, Eastern Christianity. What, what other uh, areas of expertise do you have as far? And you and you're, uh, actually have a PhD, so you're a yes. do- doctor, right? Right, yeah. yeah. So I, I used to teach at the St. Paul University in Ottawa, um, after I was ordained a priest, I, I taught hermeneutics and exegesis in Eastern Christianity. And then I went, uh, and then also all the other courses, the history of, of Christianity in the Middle East. And then also taught the synoptics with the Roman Catholic Archdiocese of Ottawa's deacon formation program. And then since then, I've also taught several online courses on, um, the, the uh, scripture in the, and, and the liturgy and the lectionary. Um, I did my, my PhD, my doctorate on origin of Alexandria's commentary on the Gospel of John. And if you want, my specialty was early, the early Christian, early uh, Christian interpretation of, of scripture. Mm. Um, and so that's been my, my field. And I've always kind of loved to see the biblical roots of the liturgy, the biblical roots of our, of our, of the sacraments and the mysteries and everything that we do. So the teaching has been an important part of my life. And, uh, and now as things are moving online, Hope to develop some things when when I have a, a little bit of free free time somewhere. <laughs> when life settles down a little bit, right. uh, we're down to our last uh, few minutes. We're talking about the Melkite Eparchy and the local parish. 
uh, here in DFW. Very honored to have uh, the newly enthroned and ordained Bishop of the Melkite Eparchy, Bishop Francois Beiruti, along with uh, his priest in charge here locally, Father Mark Malik, uh, the administrator of the DFW Catholic Outreach. I uh, just want maybe one, one more question for each of you. And uh, Father Mark Malik, uh, it's great that Texas is the the, the booming uh, region of the country for the Melkite um, right. Well, why do you think that is? What's going, what's going on here in Texas that's, that's um, uh, where you're, you are seeing increasing numbers, would you say? Well, due to the, to the influx of uh, immigrants and also uh, in this last year, uh, I, we won't get into the reasons why, but Melkites are leaving California, but they're coming here. Oh, they're okay. coming here. I mean, it's a, but, uh, and what's really beautiful about having this outreach here is, yes, Melkites are coming here for various economic, social upheaval reasons around the world in the Middle East, but also for whatever reason they're coming here from other parts of the state, uh, other, the United States. We've picked up a family, the Melkite family from Virginia at our parish and uh, at least three from California. And what happens, what's been happening too often is the Melkites will move into a region and there's no church for them. And so they drift away from their tradition. And by the time you get to the second, third generation, as I find in this, in this, in this metroplex, I've met a number of these families. Well, they've already in, they've already gotten connected to a Latin parish or the Maronite parish, but it's unfortunate because, uh, we're, we lose our, our people. So yeah. this is, uh, uh, People are able to come home, but that's that's really where we're picking up uh, most of our people. There, the, the trans transplants, people moving into the yeah. into the metroplex. And if somebody has been going to a Nova Sordo or they just uh, an Anglo, you know, Ro- Roman Rite Catholic, they're very welcome in your community, right? Yes, they don't have right, to have right any kind now. Of- in our, I would say we have about close to thirty committed households. About ten of those are actual Melkites. Uh, Thirteen are Latin Rite. Catholics who've, who found a spiritual home with us. So if you're Catholic, and we actually have a couple of Protestants coming, and, uh, and yes, so we're open to the, uh, we're open to anybody, the nons, as they call them, the nons, and the people who reject (laughs) our religion. We're, we're open to those people too. And could you give your, uh, we got literally a minute and a half to go and I want to have a blessing from, uh, the, the bishop. Uh, can give your contact information again, how people can get a hold of you or the website. You want to go to, uh, DFW, MelkiteCatholic.org, DFW Catholic, uh, MelkiteCatholic.org. You'll find my phone number there, my email address, also the address of where we meet for our liturgies, uh, especially even when we're changing. Uh, all right, very good. Um, uh, Bishop uh, Francois uh, Beiruti, thank you for being here. It's an honor to meet you. Father Malik also, thank you for being here. Uh, would you, could you close us in a blessing? Sure, we'll close with one of the prayers that uh, we have in our in our prayer book from the ninth ode, uh, we very much emphasize the role of Mary, the Mother of God, um, in all our prayers. So, in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O you who have given birth and time to the one whom no limit of time can hold, you thus have become the Mother of God in a manner beyond understanding and beyond words. We, the faithful, magnify you with one mind through the prayers of our Holy Fathers, the Lord Jesus Christ, our God. Have mercy on us and save us. Amen. Amen. All right. Thank you very much to both of you. And thank you, uh, Diane Xavier, for running the board. Thanks, everybody, for listening. If you have suggestions for future interviews, you can get a hold of me directly at DavePalmer at grnonline.com. This has been the interview of the week here on the Guadalupe Radio Network.
Thanks for joining us for this week's KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. We hope you've enjoyed this presentation of Catholic news and information pertinent to North Texas Catholics. Please join us again next week at this same time for another KATH 910 AM Interview of the Week. Victory Investment Strategies is a sponsor of KATH 910 AM. They pray for continued blessings on all who make Catholic Radio possible in North Texas. The unique programming is vital to our daily lives. Victory Investment Strategies is a full-service investment firm owned by Joel and Elizabeth Victory, members of St. Patrick Cathedral in Fort Worth. They offer a variety of products and will customize a plan to fit your individual needs. 866-810-6800. 866-810-6800. Securities offered through LPL Financial Member FINRA SIPC. Are you grieving the loss of a loved one? St. Monica Church in Dallas will be starting their grief support. Thanks for listening to KATH 910 AM, Frisco, Dallas, Fort Worth on the Guadalupe Radio Network. Catholic radio for your soul in North Texas. Heard also on grnonline.com and on your smartphone. 